Before you guys listen to this episode, I just want to let you know that I had to record this episode on my iPhone because the studio that I usually record in was closed down and it's a whole thing. So please, in advance, I apologize to you for all like the pops and like the noises in the whatever. I tried my best. Okay, y'all. And if you love me, you'll just listen to it. Okay. Um, so yeah, sorry. Thanks. Hey everyone, it's your host Ellie Lee and welcome to my podcast where I interview artists from the entertainment industry and we get their stories, their journeys. How did they get to where they are now? What were your obstacles, the trials, the tribulations? These are the people who took the path less followed and went for it when everyone else said no. I hope this podcast inspires you to get off your butt and chase your dreams. Take that leap of faith because it will be the best thing you will ever do in this short life. Welcome to this episode of When I Grow Up. Hey everyone, it's your girl Ellie and welcome to another episode of When I Grow Up. I am once again reporting live to you from Los Angeles, California. This is not a joke, people. I'm literally here almost like every week. I should just live here at this point. Do you know what I'm saying? But yes, I am out here to shoot for E!, uh, the TV network, I'm doing their morning show called Daily Pop that you guys can catch at 1211 Central. Hey! And also, also, <laughs> I'm going to be on the show tomorrow and I'm doing a Facebook Live show for E! So check that out. Make sure you check it out, okay? I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm back on a plane. Listen, there's something about that six-hour plane ride from New York to Los Angeles that kicks my ass. When I come home from a trip from LA, I literally... I can't function for two days. It's very bizarre. I really don't know how people travel like every week. I just don't know how people do it because I am just, I, 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 I can't do it. My goodness. My body is just like, a, my body is small, you know, and it just can't take a lot for some reason. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, I'll be back in New York this weekend. But guys, listen, you thought that I was going to skip a week? No, I got a, I got a, an episode for you guys today. And it's a really cool episode because If there's anything that you'll take away from this interview that I did with my friend, she's a TV chef and restaurateur, Esther Choi, it's that hard work seriously pays off. I mean, this is a woman that has worked her butt off. Nothing has ever been given to her. She didn't start out from money. She didn't have money. She just worked her way from the top at a young age. And it's seriously such a badass story and a journey. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And, uh, you know, if you have interest in being a food personality person on TV or a TV chef or like, you know, own a restaurant, then this story will definitely, definitely resonate with you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go hiking after I finish editing this episode because that's what people in Los Angeles do. They hike a lot, okay? And then they eat. I don't think they work. I think they just like go to the beach, you know, look really good and like work out. I'm just kidding. That's not true, but I'm going to go hike like I live here. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for all the support you've given this podcast. Y'all mean the world to me. Please enjoy this episode of When I Grow Up. Hey guys, so today we have a very special guest. She's a friend of mine. She's also a badass Korean American woman. Just listen, when people say I grind, I'm like, no, no, no. This woman grinds. Please give it up for restaurateur and TV chef and all around literally a badass Esther Choi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Esther, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ellie. Now, Esther, this is your second time being on the podcast. <laughs> it is my second time being on the but it's okay. But now it's okay. We'll be better. Now we'll be better. Listen, the other time we had some sound issues, whatever. The point is that we are here, okay? 
Um, Esther Choi, uh, let's just start from the beginning of your life. You were born and raised in New Jersey, Korean-American, right? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up Korean-American in New Jersey? Of course. I mean, I grew up in South Jersey, yes. which is different than North Jersey mm. people because you guys all had each other. Right. I was all by my lonesome self with my sister and my brother and my mom and dad and my grandparents. Okay. And that was like literally it. Uh. So, you know, we, we were the only Asian Americans in that area for uh. a while. I mean, there was nobody. We were like surrounded by all white people. So did you feel yeah. like the white people just like stare at you and you didn't, you realized? Oh, I got made fun of like all the time what they call like, you like ching chong ching chong oh my god all the time yeah Damn, yo, sometimes one time somebody told me that he's like i'll blindfold <laughs> you with dental floss i was like bitch <laughs> f you okay okay so you yeah. so you grew up very like in a white centric town very okay mm -hmm. and so growing up did grandma live with you like did you have a lot of like who was your culinary influence growing up like first one definitely grandma mm -hmm. grandma um grew up with grandma grandma was the one who was like the caretaker at mm -hmm. home while my parents ran their business dry cleaning of mm -hmm. course and um my grandpa helped them and my grandma was home watching me and my siblings and she was is still this amazing 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 cook and i know everyone says that their grandma is amazing but my grandma is like amazing like next level next level she had this like insane garden in our backyard oh. like our garden was like huge it was like a farm mm. and um and then she used to she grew up all of our own Korean vegetables because obviously we couldn't get Korean vegetables in our area. Mm. So she would get seeds from wherever, like from Korea, and then we would grow our own Korean vegetables. And then she would make all of her own chang. So we had like that crazy area with all the changs, which is like the gochujang, the tuenjang, all the Korean fermented stuff. Yeah, all that good stuff that you guys eat in Korean food, this is what she's talking about right now. Yeah, so she made all of that from like scratch, from... Like, from, since I remember, she was always, like, in the kitchen doing all these, like, crazy weird projects. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember the first time she was like, Esther, come over here. Let me teach you some things. She didn't need to because I was, like, there. Oh, <laughs> she was like, Esther, go watch TV, okay? Get away from me. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I always wanted to hang out in the kitchen. Mm. Like, I still remember my brother and my sister were always, like, outside playing. And they always had, like, playmates and stuff like that. But I was always in the kitchen. Like, all, all the time. I always wanted to, like, hang out with grandmother. So what was, like, the first foods that she taught you? It's hard to say, like, what she taught mm. me. It was it was more like, you know, when we would have these huge family gatherings where she would make, like, kimchi or, like, dumplings or, like, things like that. And that's when we all got to get mm. involved and um, could sort of, like, eat and, like, you know, hang out in the kitchen, things like that. So, like, for me, I'll... Always the fondest memory would be like kimchi and like dumplings, mm. right? Very traditional. What about television? Like while you were home as a kid, like were you watching a lot of television? Like was Food Network a huge part of your life, like growing up? I think Food Network came a little bit Later. after. Yeah, I was, um, I'm a little bit older, so. <laughs> she looks like she's younger though. So Food Network didn't really come about until I was like maybe in like high school. Mm. So before that, no, I mean, I'm sure there were like cooking shows and stuff like that. But there was a period of time where I lived in Korea as well. And mm. that was when I was like in middle school. So like I missed a huge chunk of like the American sort of like TV stuff. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why your Korean is normal perfect. Uh -huh. My Korean is, I would say, pretty perfect. Pretty yeah, yeah. And reading and writing. And I can owe that to like my mom plucking me out of mm. America and putting me in Korean school in Korea, mm. which was really weird. 
Yeah, that was the craziest experience. I was in third grade and didn't speak a word of Korean. And she put me in this like, like real, like country Korean school, which was, it wasn't even in Seoul, which is like the craziest part, right? I have trauma listening to that. I mean, it was like really, it, yeah, it, it definitely changed who I was as a person. Wow. So, okay. So, so after Korea and you come back to America, was that also a shock? That was also a shock because then I'm like, wait, I forgot how to speak English. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I didn't forget to speak English, but like, dude, like they put me in ESL just because they thought that I couldn't speak English, which is like really racist too. So racist. Yeah. I could speak English. I just like, you know, wasn't here for a while. And then you're like, oh, you're Asian. Let me put you in an ESL. But while you were, while you were in Korea, did you taste a lot of different foods or did you, did you like get any culinary experience then when you were even in middle school? Oh my gosh. So much. Um, I was, you know, because we were in Korean school, we Korean meals like school lunches were all Korean and then I remember specifically like the street food Mm -hmm. and like the food that I would eat with my friends like in the little like you know little tiny restaurants Mm -hmm. more like street foodie like you would eat like dakboki and like things like that but like really kind of things that you not even popular that people don't even know about because it's so it was so like 90s too so a lot of those kind of memories like cultural memories of like yeah, and being, like, beaten up by your teacher and stuff like that. You know, that was a real thing. I got beat up by my teacher. Like, with a stick? Yeah, with his stick. Like, a on, huge on your feet or in your hands? Um, my sister definitely um, got the feet thing, mm-hmm. but I didn't get hit on the feet. That that was... I was a little too young for that, I think. Aww. But, like, um, my hands, definitely. Yeah. And I remember my uh, ankles or, like, you know, the... Yeah. Your, your leg. Listen, yeah. guys culturally like we used to get hit you know what I mean like beat up in Korea you know the teachers used to hit the kids it was not unusual like my uncle got the shiz beat out of him when he was in school in Korea okay I want to ask you this so a lot of your you know your success and your career right now is it really revolves around Korean traditional food right with your spin on it do you feel like having a grandma teaching you all that stuff like Food was always just, like, your connection to, like, your Korean side, especially because you didn't have Koreans growing up with you in South Jersey? That's the biggest thing. If Mm. I did grow up with a lot of Koreans, I probably wouldn't be as like all into Korean mm. culture as as I am now. Yeah. Right? Because because you're so deprived from it, I think at a certain point you get so drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened when um I went to college. Mm-hmm. Um so in high school it was all like I you know, it was all white people and just me. Mm-hmm. Um not much cultural development there. But I was always like yearning for it, mm-hmm. right? Especially because that was when K pop and Korean music was so big. I was into it but kind of like only in my dream world, sure, right? Sure. So when I went to college, I was like, oh my God, there are so many Asian people. Well, well she went to Rutgers University in New Jersey, guys, which is the, the throne of all Koreans. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. So many Korean people. I was in cultural shock. And it's not only like, it's not like Korean Koreans. Mm. They're Korean Americans, right. which I've never really like, you know, had experience mm. with. Mm. So I got deep into the whole Korean culture. Mm. So deep that I joined like the most fabulous group, like which was like the KSA? drum. Oh, not, drum? No, the drum group. Like ugh, this girl was doing Korean drums in college. Like, like Pucha Chum? Is yeah, that yeah, what's yeah, called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did that for a little bit. That only lasted one semester though. So <laughs> But you wore the whole outfit and everything. I, yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I was all into it. Mm-hmm. And if you ask my college friends, they were like, Oh my God, do you remember when you had that crazy fob face? 
Yeah, I got so immersed in like I was like I wanted to be like so Korean. I right? love it. I love it. I just went too deep, <laughs> too deep. But can you tell everybody uh, you went to Rutgers University, but you didn't do anything culinary? Tell them what you studied. I studied. Well, I went to Rutgers for pharmacy. Mm-hmm. It was the most popular major for like a woman mm-hmm. to to have, I guess. Which is weird, and it was really hard to get into that school. Blah blah blah. So like my mom and my dad basically pushed me to go to Rutgers Pharmacy, which is why I ended up going to Rutgers in the first place. Right. So while you were at Rutgers, were you just thinking, "I hate this so much. This is not what I want to do," or did you think like, "Oh, I'm going to do a career as a pharmacist"? Oh, definitely not. I I was like, wait. Well, as soon as I went to college and I took my first like few pharmacy courses, I was like, not interested in that. Mm. All I wanted to do is like, you know being on the social committee of, mm. like, KSA to, like, you know, mad, like, Korean... Like, I was very involved with, like, this Korean student body, mm-hmm. like, of... And I, I was very into, like, the Korean culture and, of course, like, partying and all that stuff. So, like, for me, school was just, like, an afterthought. Mm. I was very like that. I literally knew, like, every Korean person at Rutgers. Damn. Girl. I made it my job to make sure that I met every Korean person. Dang! So that's yeah. why your Korean geography is so vast and huge. <laughs> I just know a lot of Korean people. Girl, I mean, listen, yeah. at my birthday party, this girl came with me. She's like, you know a lot of Koreans. I'm like, yes, bitch, I do. <laughs> okay. All right. It's just how we roll. It's just we how we roll. Yeah, we stick together. It's okay? just every Korean knows each other. It's, it's so crazy. true. And if you don't know each other, you have, you're one degree away yeah. from them. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. Okay, so you finished college, and were you freaking out post-college? Like, or you were just like, you know what? I'm going to go into, like, what was it? Tell me. In the midst of all this, um, how I got through college and high school and partying and like who someone's got to pay for all that yeah. definitely was not my parents. So <laughs> <laughs> so it was the restaurants that I worked at that were paying for our, all these things, all my side fun things that I were doing, I was doing. And um, I would say that the restaurants always supported me mm. throughout like my whole life right mm. so i started working in restaurants when i was 14 as a as a waitress yeah. it was like a neighborhood restaurant and i would make a ton of money mm. like a ton of money at 14 years old at 14 years old and then i remember when i was 16 my sister went to college and i would give her allowance because i i mean that's how baller i was so for me it was like i would go to school right from school i would go straight to work and then um come home around like 11 p.m and you know do that all over again this was like in high school so like i was making a lot of money for especially a college or a high school student i was making a lot of money and so i was like supporting my sister i was giving my mom like money and it was just like like dollar bills right so i was like wow this is amazing and i loved working and that's another thing. Were you working front of house when you're front of house? Okay. I was I was a waitress, wow. and I really loved it. Oh. Like just like every part of it. I just loved working. I mm. think that was a big um, part of my life mm. in general. But I was always fascinated with the kitchen. But then like these guys would like harass me whenever went into the kitchen, so I would kind of get scared mm. too. But after a while, like that's where I was always drawn to. Mm. Like I always wanted to watch what they were making, and it was always like super fun, fascinating to me to be in the kitchen and then that's when I got really into like food TV as well in college I I was like obsessed with like Food Network and anything like Food TV. Can I ask a question before you uh, continue? Would you say as someone that's uh, aspiring to be someone like you, a chef, is it very important for them to learn every single job in a restaurant? If you want to be an owner? Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
if you want to be an owner, an entrepreneur, you better know how to do every freaking job. Mm. Like, there's nothing that I won't do. Mm-hmm. You know, bartend, serve. You better know how to wear mm. many hats. Mm. I graduated. Um, I took a job um, at a marketing as as a marketing position in this like tech company mm-hmm. and so a uh, a soulless job that your heart was dying exactly <laughs> i was like why am i selling like why do i care about this like it, you don't understand right. i used to like and it was hard this was my first job out of college mm-hmm. and i was one of those types who was like all obsessed with like having jobs and i was always like workaholic mm-hmm. um so it was weird for me to be in this position where I did not care right. about the actual work. Yes. And I would come home and cry like every day because I was so bad at the job because mm-hmm. I didn't understand this like tech tech thing. Like right. it was like a tech company mm-hmm. and I needed to know the product to be able to like market it and sell it. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't understand the product. Yes. So I was like always stuck. Right. I was like, is it just me? Like I'm like so stupid. And I would like cry every day. Mm-hmm. And I still remember thinking how stressful and upset I was. And mm-hmm. I felt like a aunt. In an ant farm. Yes, yes. I was just like every other person right. sitting next to me, right. and I hated that. So you knew immediately you need to bounce. You needed to bounce. Yeah, I bounced uh, within thirty days. <laughs> I thought she was gonna say she stayed there for a year or two. Oh my 30 god, thirty days, y'all. You and I are the same person in that sense. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. just like if I don't like something, yes. I'm gone. Oh, that is me. Yeah. And you're like, you're you're not like half-assed. You're like either 100 or you go home. Exactly. Exactly. That's me. That's me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What, what horoscope sign are you? I'm Scorpio. Oh, yeah. Exactly. No, I'm Aries, but I'm dating a Scorpio. And we have the same fire. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Okay. It's yeah. just like, if it's not it, you better call it quits now. Because mm. it's like... If it's if it's not for you, you're just gonna drag it on, yeah. right? So that's my personality, especially when it comes to like work. If mm-hmm. I don't like something, bye. Yeah. So I left. Like as soon as I knew, I was like, this is like not me. Yeah. I left. I moved back home to Philadelphia. At that point, my parents um, lived in Philadelphia, and my mom was running this like small diner. Mm. Um, which they've never been in the food business, but like they bought this diner from a friend of theirs, mm-hmm. and they were just running that, and it was doing really well. Um, so I quit my job, moved back home. And then I was like, okay, mom, I'm going to help you at the diner for mm-hmm. a bit. She was going crazy. And I was at the same time looking for another corporate job. Cause I, Damn. yeah, I was looking for a job. I was like, yeah. okay, so I'm just going to like look for a job, live at home for a bit, figure out what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. While I was, was helping my mom at the diner, I was, I like, I was like, you know, thinking about like my career just mm-hmm. generally, like, what do I really want to do? And mm-hmm. what do I really like? Mm-hmm. Because the point is like the company that I work with, I didn't like the company like I I just didn't understand it sure. I was not like a tech per- techie person so I was like I don't understand the product so I don't care mm-hmm. so I need to like care about something yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was like maybe I like care about like beauty stuff or mm. maybe I care about fashion a little bit but not really either so and I was like but you know what I really care about I love eating and I love food <laughs> mm. right I've always loved food mm. that's why I worked in restaurants so well I knew how to I knew the food so well mm. and I my food knowledge was really uh, pretty big at that point too Mm because I was always obsessed with it studying it so I was like why don't I just like start my career in food right my mom like and dad were not happy about that they freaked out a little bit and but I helped manage their diner for a little less than six months before I decided I'm moving to New York and going to culinary school wow as soon as I put on the chef whites Mm -hmm. it was it was 
Done. It was game over. It was game, game over, over for me. Listen, th- th- this is a perfect example because a lot of people out there are always like, I, can't, I don't know what my passion is. I don't know what I'm into. It's like, this is the feeling that we're talking about. That feeling when you know it's so right and like, this is the thing that you were made to effing do. That's yeah. the feeling right there. Exactly. Okay. So I think it was like, as soon as I put on the jacket, I remember I took a photo of it. I have a photo of it. Mm-hmm. It was 10 years ago. I was like, oh my God. I had this like weird and I'm getting the feeling right now because Aww. I'm like... I, I got goosebumps all over my body and I started crying. I was like, this is like, I think this is what I really, really want to wow. do. Yeah. Wow. And I went to culinary school thinking that I wanted to work in a food job mm-hmm. or like some sort of like corporate company. But I was like, nope, I think I want to work in the kitchen. Damn. Like, yeah. Yeah. So of course, two weeks in, I find myself um, a job as a line cook. Mm. I'm so the person who like needs to... Um, get my hands dirty so I was like okay so I think the quickest way for me to like learn is to actually go into a real kitchen that's what I realized when I went to culinary school I was Mm -hmm. like I'm not gonna wait until I graduate I'm gonna just do it now so I did it so I uh, was going to culinary uh, to school in the mornings uh, for four hours and then right after school I would run to work and then work like a 12-hour shift sleep for like a few hours then go back to school and that was like my life and then on the weekends of course pull doubles Whatever I could do, I would do just mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm not wasting any time. Mm-hmm. And yes. while this was all happening, I mean, you were just probably gaining so much knowledge and like information and just watching everybody. It's crazy. Like the amount of things that I learned in the first few years of, you know, going through that grind and not stopping. Like I did not have a social life. I no boyfriends, mm-hmm. definitely not. Um, it was all about work, 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 work. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super competitive mm-hmm. as well. So it was just like, man, like I have to be like, mm-hmm. you know, I have to, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I felt like I needed to like learn everything as quick as mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. And like, you wanted like time. 10 ups on people. Like exactly. you wanted to be like, I know as much as you and more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I couldn't take less than that mm-hmm. because yeah, I was just super ambitious and I found my dream. Mm-hmm. So like once you find that dream, it was just for me a game over. I was like, I was I was out to get right, it. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, it's an interesting thing because you were super young. I mean, I remember someone telling me like, oh, by the way, Esther Choi is opening up a, a restaurant <laughs> in Chelsea Market, which is like, like, what the fuck? And I literally remember hearing that be like, damn, that girl is killing the mother effing game because Chelsea Market in New York City is literally one of the hottest places to go for like tourists, for anybody just like wanting good food. So when that opportunity came to you, were you just like, huh? No, because I fucking worked my ass off for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, a lot of things in life is luck driven, but it, a lot of it is like you create that luck. Yes. And I created my luck. I worked my ass off. And I will literally, that's one thing that I'm not shy about saying. Like, I worked like a dog. Me working right now, I feel like I'm so lazy. <laughs> Like, I, dude, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, the ambition and hustle yeah. was so much better when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. so much, yes. like, fire, like, so much more fiery when I was in my 20s. Mm. Now I'm like, oh, my God, why am I so fucking lazy? Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, do I really want to do that? <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. push it off. You know, it's uh, not the same, mm-hmm. right? But, but when at that time, I remembered, like, not, I never said no to anything. I did everything that I could. I literally only slept for, like, 
four hours a day wow. for at least three years. At one point, I think I had like four jobs, wow. which was like crazy. Yeah. And two of them were like full time. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that possible? You were never, you just always were a normal body girl. And mm-hmm. then I saw you and I was like, holy crap, you lost so much weight. Mm-hmm. And like when I asked you, you were like, it's just stress. Yeah. <laughs> it's just complete stress. Oh, you want to lose weight? Go open a restaurant. <laughs> I was doing a gig at Food Network for a while mm-hmm. and I think that's when you know I kind of like calmed down with the working and I was you know networking more and like doing and like kind of enjoying life mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I thought okay like enough of the vacation <laughs> and that's with a normal 40 hour week right uh-huh. I was like that's now I have to take up now I have to get out of that and go back to my career mm-hmm. and my my real thing so I quit Food Network um, I took a job as a sous chef at Las Guinness, which was like mm-hmm. a Mexican restaurant and I was working there for a bit and I actually was wanted to stay there for a while oh. um, and grow with the company but this opportunity came about a friend of mine called me and he was like hey you know, this spot is going out in Chelsea Market. When this spot uh, went out of business, like we were the first ones to know and my friend called me and he was like, this spot went out of business. <clears throat> what do you want to do about it? Uh, you know, and I was like, what are you talking about? I just started my job. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> don't get, I don't put ideas yeah, yeah. in my head because yeah. you know how I get. Mm. But of course he put the idea in my head and then from there on I was like, all right, we're doing this. So like we came up with a concept. It was like going to be Korean ramen, um, but still like street, uh, very street, street food. Came up with Korean ramen. So it will be like craft ramen, borrowing techniques from like Japanese um, ramen and making it Korean. At that point, there were like thousands of other applicants. Yeah. You know, they were getting calls left and right every single day about that space. It's prime real estate. Yeah. It's like the best spot you can open your first mm-hmm. restaurant in. Like, and yeah. it just—it's not possible for anyone to in Chelsea Market just yeah. because you, you know how it is. The yeah. competition is insane. Yeah. So, um, but we got to pitch our concept uh, because I got an in through a yeah. friend of mine, and then from there we had to keep fighting because it was a competition that I didn't even know that it was a competition. I was just like, okay, this is our concept. What do you think? And they're like, okay, come back with a tasting. Came back with a tasting. They're like, okay, come back with this. Then we come back with that. They're like, oh, we need a business business plan. Come back with a 100-page business plan. And it was, this was while I was working 90 hours a week. It was like me versus like, I think two other people. I kept pushing. I did my final tasting, which was like a six-course um, his co- six course meal um, in front of their board which was like 10 people mm-hmm. and then I had to present my business plan talk about like all the numbers and this was like I had no fucking idea what I was doing mm-hmm. you know I just was passionate right. I was like I just wanted, right. wanted this mm-hmm. it was like me against like two other real 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 famous chefs and for some really weird reason they picked little old me damn and what was birthed when they chose you Mokbar yes Yes. Mukbar was birthed. Yes. Mukbar, meaning um, mukbar came from the term mukbang. Mm. You guys know mukbang. Yeah, mukbang. And then um, I thought it was a funny play on it. And it the way the place is shaped is like a long bar. Uh. So I wanted to, you know, uh, change it a little bit and make it more yes. user-friendly. So yes. we called it mukbar. And that's how our first restaurant was born. So after you, you did the first, opened the first mukbar, you didn't stop there. Can you tell everybody the other locations that you also have? Yeah, so since then, I opened up two more restaurants. Um, one in Brooklyn, um, across Barclay Center. Mm-hmm. 
that's a standalone mukbar. So we do a lot more dishes than just ramen. We do like a full like rice set and more traditional Korean food. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, and then I open Miss You in the Lower East Side, and that's a cocktail bar. Definitely more nightlife driven. Mm-hmm. When did the world of television start opening up for you? And when you were growing up, like when you were watching Food Network and stuff, did it ever occur to you that like that's something that you wanted to do? Like when you were watching Jamie Oliver, were you like, oh yeah, I also want to be on television? Of course, always. That was, I guess, you know, a young, very young dream, mm-hmm. I would say. Like I was like, oh, I think I could do that. I would love to do that. I think I'll be good at it. But that was like it. I didn't really like kind of... I just didn't really have much thought after that and then when I was at the Food Network um, you know I knew a lot of the talent there and I don't know it just I guess if the opportunity came like here's a show then of course I wouldn't say no who would say no right but I also knew that I would never do it without some crazy credentials to back me up Mm. you know what I mean like if I'm gonna do it I'm not gonna be some like TV chef Mm. I'm gonna be a real chef that does you know wants to teach people through television yes what was what was your first uh on camera gig oh my god i don't even remember i actually did some stuff when i was at the food network mm. like but that's before i opened my restaurant so i that was like my first on camera experience mm-hmm. um but that was like for digital and it was more for fun and i was one of the um food network kitchen staff mm. so they were like hey do you want to like try i think you'll be a great look for camera mm-hmm. so that was and we did a few videos mm-hmm. together and i still remember like some of the producers that produce like those like little clips and we did it for fun yes. they're now like big time producers like advice and that eater and etc which is how i kind of created like this network of yes. people um to do a, a lot more tv stuff now mm-hmm. Can you just list off all the things that you've done TV-wise? I guess like Food Network, definitely. Um, now I have a show on Eater, mm-hmm. which I love. I love that crew. It's the Kitchen Gadget Test Show. Yeah. Check it out. Welcome back to Kitchen Gadgets. Today we are testing Perfect Roll Sushi Maker and the Sushi Bazooka. I did Vice. Yes. Oh, our episode of Bong Appetit's coming out in May. Yeah. Please check that out because that is like super exciting. Yes. It's super fun. That yes. was amazing. Are there any other on-camera Asian women doing what you're doing right now? There's like a few. The answer is no, people. Okay. The answer is that Esther. Not enough. Not, not enough. Not enough. But having your face is huge for us. Yes. For Korean Americans, especially. Yes. Like, dude, like we need more represent- representation. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, they're so. Like, Korean food is just popping off, mm-hmm. like now. Mm-hmm. But think about, like, what the future is going to be like, right? Not only about just the. You know, food is the first stepping stone into yes. your culture, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, yes. and that's why it's so important to me yes. that, you know, that everyone supports yes. this this goal. Yes. Also, me and Esther have a show that we're pitching right now and we can't tell you about it. OK, okay, Esther, now we're going to uh, go into a fun segment that I've created for you called Eat Me. Ready? What is the best tasting dish you've ever put in your mouth? Kimchi jjigae. From who? Grandma. Damn, grandma's the best chef, yo. Your favorite dish to make is? Kimchi jjigae. <laughs> Dang, girl. All right, kimchi jjigae. Can you explain to people at home who don't know what kimchi jjigae is? Okay, it's a stew made out of kimchi. And obviously, when I say kimchi jjigae, you have to make the kimchi from scratch as yeah. well. Oh. When blank eats your food and loves it, it gives you butterflies. 
chefs. <laughs> Who would you want to cook a dinner for? Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver, if you're listening to this, which I know you are. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, the first time you were on TV cooking food, were you nervous? No. It felt like home? I mean, it's just like when you're cooking, you're cooking, right? Like, you got to be confident. And I think that's the biggest thing with cooks mm-hmm. or with chefs. Like, one of the biggest advice is like, you be- got to be confident. Yes. Like, in the kitchen. Yes. Like, you, like, if you get scared even two seconds, you're cutting yourself. Yes. <laughs> and lastly, of this, of this whole segment, name one characteristic that all chefs must have. Endurance. Yes. Okay, and then back to our, you know, original one. I'm relatable, okay? You're going to answer these questions as fast as you can, okay? Oh, shit, I hate this. Okay, okay good. I'm glad you love it so much. <laughs> if you ever decided to quit everything, like the restaurants, the kitchen, everything, is there one thing that gives you kind of peace to know that you could do? Interior design. Really? Mm-hmm. Your apartment does look amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with furniture. So you yeah. could do mine if I provided you all the furniture and stuff and you know how to put it together all pretty? Um, oh, yes. Yes. Dang, I'm girl. All, I'm, I'm all about like decorating. I love, yeah. I, like, I think anything creative, I really yes, love. Yes, yes, yes. What's the best compliment you consistently get? Oh, that I look young. <laughs> girl, me too. Me too. Uh, on a scale from one to 10, how real do you think you keep it? 10. I agree with this. How do you get over jealousy? Do you ever experience jealousy as a chef? 24-7, and I'm the most jealous motherfucker ever. It's so crazy. And I'm, like, like try not to be, but, yeah. like, it's, like, but it's just, I accepted it. Yeah. It's just how I am. It also probably fuels you. Exactly. Yes. Like, I, I use it as a uh, positive yes. part of me, yes. not as a negative. Yes. Oh, what's one thing you wish you could tell your younger self? Um, be confident and don't be scared. You can do it. Yes. Yes. Uh, Two more questions. If you could get rid of social media in your life, would you? Nope. Not at all. Have you ever thought about just quitting the whole thing? All the time. How do you feel when people say, oh my God, dude, you're killing it? I'm like, oh, I'm doing okay. (laughs) Still a lot more to do. (laughs) And last question. What fuels you to keep going? I think life. Mm -hmm. Life. Life is, you know, can be crazy, but it also can be amazing. Yes. So... To all the people out there at home that are listening to this and want to do what you want to do, can you just give them some advice? I think always is not to give up. Mm -hmm. And you have to push through all the negative energy and create positivity, Mm -hmm. you know. And honestly, just like don't give up because the moment you do, you forfeit, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And when can where can people find you on social media? Choi Bites yes. on Insta or now YouTube. Oh my God. Please tell, yeah. tell, tell everybody a little bit about your YouTube channel. So the YouTube channel is just like, you know, something that I wanted to do to, you know, create. So when you, when you become an entrepreneur and your own business owner and you have to, you have to abide by a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't really change the menu too much unless you're here all the time. I mean, there's like a lot of things. It's hard to be like super creative, mm-hmm. like outwardly creative. Mm-hmm. So YouTube was one of my ways of like being as creative as I can be and doing whatever the fuck I want without anyone saying otherwise. Mm-hmm. So that's why I created a channel. I was like, you know what? I can't deal with... Sometimes when you're, you know, doing a lot of on-camera stuff, which is a lot mm-hmm. lately and you're working with different people, like it's hard to be, you know creative as well and like you want to you have all these ideas and you want to do all these things but it's always like you have to get approval mm-hmm. or you have to go through like 10 million people mm-hmm. to get it right so i'm just like you know what? i'm just gonna do it myself yes 
Yes. Yeah. And it, it also has ASMR. Yeah. So that's like the first series that I've been working on, on because I'm obsessed with ASMR. And, you know, I just wanted to want the channel to be more about the food, mm. you know, so the food and the sound and like the, the sort of the sensual effects you get yes. when you, you think about food. Yes. Yeah. So I, I wanted the first series to be very reflective on food, you know. Yes. yes. Um, Esther, I heart you. I heard you, Ellie. You're the best. And our show is going to be amazing. Our show is going to be amazing. Uh, Please subscribe, rate, review. It means the world to me. And until next time, we will see you guys later.